This is anger part two. This time it's righteous. Um, I'm going to be played by Jean-Claude Van Damme. And Bruce Willis will be playing David Webster. Um, that would work. Come on. <laughs> Would you love to see Bruce? Well, I'd love to see, love to see David Webster in Die Hard. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, um, to put this in context, and if you wonder where part one was, that was it was actually last year, and uh, previously I preached on anger, um, and actually preached on, on God's anger and on, on the wrath of God at that time. And when I'd initially prepared it, I'd hoped to cover both his anger and then also how we handle our own anger, how we handle human anger and how we deal with things when we're angry. Um, I realized I couldn't cover both in one sermon. Um, so I decided to focus on God first because that seemed a good basic principle. Um, and here's the second part tonight. Um, and I, well, I felt I had to definitely had to bring this partly because I felt that God had led me to it, but also because when I did the first sermon, I did a text in when I asked everybody to text in the most stupid things that they had done when they were angry. And I read those, and I thought, you really need the second part of this sermon. <laughs> uh, some of you have issues. <laughs> I mean, honestly, who gets so mad they kick a llama in the genitals? But, uh, no, I, I made that one up. That's, uh, that's, uh, not all of my illustrations are true, um, but we, we, yes... It's not lying when you're preaching, it's an illustration, I have said before. Um, but the replies were very interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, people actually, when I read them out, actually, it was interesting. People seem more, uh, there were a lot of things where people have been angry at their husbands, and that generally met with some amusement. Um, but uh, anyone that, when anger had been directed at a dog... Uh, those people thought, well, no, no, you've crossed a line there. It's interesting. You know, got angry through a shoe at my husband. That's fine. That's hilarious, apparently. Uh, got angry, shouted at the dog. No, that's too far, apparently. <laughs> it's good for husbands to know where we rate on that scale of sympathy, below the dog. Um, but anyway, so anger part two. Um, anger's a common human emotion. Um, all of us will have been angry at times. Some of you will have been angry at some point today. Some of you might be angry this evening, um, depending on which football team you support and the result today. Um, but it's a, feel, a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or, host, or hostility. Um, a strong feeling of being upset or annoyed because of something wrong or bad. Okay? And we need to know how we handle our anger, what principles there are that we work with, what the Bible teaches us, and also Jesus as our example. And to briefly summarize my earlier sermon, if we just skip on to the next slide. God's anger, his wrath, is a divine response to sin, disobedience, and injustice. Okay? God is perfect and utterly against all wrongdoing. And if he weren't, he would deny his true nature. It never makes him spiteful or irrational. It is a constant measured attitude and part of his unchanging nature. Okay? And the wrath of God was poured out on his son at the cross, meaning that as Christians we are spared that due to the love of Jesus. Okay? Wrath is a permanent attitude of the holy and just God when confronted by sin and evil. Okay? And this is right for God to be angry because he is against all wrongdoing and all injustice. And we sometimes get angry. And is it right for us to get angry? 
Well, we're created in his image, so you'd assume yes, at least on some level. Uh, But with any question, is it right for us to get angry, we need to look at um, probably not just one or two verses in isolation, but at the broad sweep of scripture, um, rather than just picking out bits and choosing. I'm going to come on to some passages in a bit, uh, but it's about putting the whole thing in its broader context. And like I said earlier, we always take Jesus as our ultimate example, as our champion, as our hero, um, and he shows us the way. Because if we take anger to be a reaction against uh, injustice or wrong, then obviously it's definitely right for us to be angry. It would be wrong for us not to. Okay? If you are faced with injustice, indifference is not the right response. Okay? You don't just let that slide. Okay? There is something wrong. Anger is sometimes actually required of you. Okay? It is not so something that happens and then you have to be able to deal with that and try and just shuffle that under the carpet or press that down. No, 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 must not be angry. Sometimes you, are, sometimes you need to be angry. Okay? If there is injustice. If something wrong threatens you, your loved ones, your church family, okay? You would rightly be angry about that. God is rightly angry when things threaten his family, when things threaten his children, when things threaten his glory and his justice. And he expects you to be the same. A good person isn't indifferent to wrongdoing. Wrongdoing should provoke strong emotion. And people sometimes worry about this because strong emotion can sometimes feel difficult and people can feel threatened by that, especially by anger. Okay, I think because most of us have probably been wronged at some point in the past because someone has been angry with us. And a lot of us view that, view it through that lens. You know, you, you, I think a lot of that starts actually sometimes in people's childhood um, when you get a teacher at school or a parent at home that actually in their angry, maybe you did do something wrong initially or maybe even not, that they got angry at you and actual fact... They've lost their rag, and they have wronged you in that. And there's a tendency for us then to shy away from that and actually to say, no, 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 no strong emotion, don't be angry, and it's all just calm down and have a, have a cup of tea because we're British. Okay? And, and indeed, and if you view anger as something that tends to make people lose their temper and do things that they then later regret, yes, that, that is a problematic And anger can very much cause problems, as I'll come on to later. Um, It's a difficult state to handle. Um, But any emotion can cause problems if it goes the wrong way. And so, and anger is just one of those. You can be angry at the wrong thing or at the wrong person. You can love the wrong thing. It doesn't mean either of those are wrong intrinsically. These are emotions, and actual fact, they can be the right response. To give you another example... To be concerned about something or someone, we would generally say, is, is probably often a good response. That's an emotion. You take concern too far and it starts to send into worry and anxiety. That's what happens when things can go wrong. So you can have an initial angry response against something that can be perfectly right. It can still go wrong, but it doesn't mean anger itself is wrong. So let's look at an example from Jesus. Um, I mean, there's, there's several examples of Jesus getting angry in the New Testament. Most of you would be familiar with the example of Jesus clearing the temple 
um, angry at what should have been a house of prayer being made a den of thieves, and he went in and cleared that out. And that's a classic example, um, and it does illustrate things well. And remember, Jesus was perfect, so that was the right action. It was right for him to be angry, and what he did in his anger was just. Okay? So look at that in your own time when you get a chance. I'd actually like to look at another example, Mark 3, verses 1 to 6. So it will be up behind you, but if you want to turn to it in your own Bible, well, please do. If you've got Bibles with you, it's generally good to follow along with, but I'll read this out. Another time he went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This, this passage clearly shows Jesus is angry and he's deeply grieved. I'm going to look at why is he ang- angry here and what came from his anger. Well, it's interesting. He is angry here both at people and also on behalf of someone. Okay? He is angry against the Pharisees, against their hard hearts, their, their legalistic ways and their lack of compassion. And it's verse 5 says that it is their stubborn hearts which made him angry. These were the religious leaders of the day. And had they done that right, they should have been bringing life to their community, ushering people into the presence of God, protecting and enriching their people. And instead, they were hard-hearted, they were stubborn, and they actually stood in the way of people coming to God. The very opposite of what they should have been. This was a, 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 yeah, an anointed position They'd been given a position of amazing responsibility and in actual fact they'd completely twisted it actually to drive people away from God rather than to bringing them closer. Okay? Their attitude and behavior was disgraceful. And for Jesus, the only right emotion to this is anger because actual fact, obviously remember Jesus is God and in actual fact, his divine wrath, the divine wrath of God is permanently opposed to sin. Okay. So he's angry against the Pharisees, against their injustice and against their sin and oppression of the people. But he's also angry for the man with the shriveled hand. Angry that he's had to live with that illness and angry that the access to healing was being, well, wasn't denied to him because Jesus won because he's better than that. But they were attempting to deny this man access to healing. Okay. Angry that this man was being opposed by the Pharisees. He's angry against the Pharisees. He's angry on behalf of this man that was being oppressed. And he's also angry on behalf of himself, okay? Recognizing what was in the Pharisees' hearts because they should have been celebrating him as the son of God. He was the Messiah. He was what they should have been waiting for. And they should have rejoiced when one of their people was healed in front of him. They should have been astounded and celebrated that and recognized the son of God. And instead they plotted to kill him. And uh, all sin is ultimately against God, and that's a very prime example of that. And as such, his wrath is against all of it. Okay, so we see the two avenues of Jesus' anger. He's angry against those who were sinful and against that sinful structure and authority that was in place. 
And he's angry on behalf of those who are wronged. You can put up the quote from Tim Keller. That's the next slide. If you don't know Tim Keller, please do listen to some Tim Keller. He's an outstanding preacher. um, And I've been much blessed by a lot of his work over the time. And this is his quote on anger. He says, anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. And uh, I think that neatly sums up part of what I've just said. Jesus is angry, and he's defending what is good. He is defending this man, and he is defending his right to heal. And he is releasing his anger against, trying to knock down the evil and the oppression. Okay. And what was the outcome of Jesus' anger? What did he do in this? He was angry. Well, he sought healing for the man that was affected. He sought to make right what had been wrong. Okay. Where justice had been on, well, sorry, when injustice had been on top, he brought restoration and he healed the man with a shriveled hand. He sought, he recognized, he was angry. This man should not have been in that situation. That should not have been placed upon him. And he made that right. And then he confronted evil and he challenged those who had been part of it. Verse 4 in Mark 3, when he asks them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil? to save life or to kill. He challenged them. He challenged their attitudes and they had no answer to that. He called them on it and they just didn't know. And I'll say that quote again. Anger is energy aroused in defense of something good and released against something evil. And the way we express our anger needs to be modeled on Jesus. If you're angry on behalf of someone, seek to bless them. If you recognize someone who's a victim of injustice or an attack of the enemy, under spiritual attack, something has gone against them. You recognize this is not right. You are angry on behalf of someone. Seek to bless them. Okay? Seek to right the wrong that has been done to them. Your anger should actually be mixed with compassion. This is really important. Okay? Anger needs to lead to, compa- lead to compassion on those who have suffered injustice. Because okay? we see this, this is what Jesus did. He healed the man. If you get angry at people's suffering, seek to alleviate it. That could be prayer for healing. It could be prayer for provision. You could physically meet people's needs. It's another example. If if poverty or global injustice makes you angry, it may lead you to charitable giving or to pursuing change in certain political arenas. Let your anger lead you to defend the downtrodden. Okay? Recognize who is downtrodden and oppressed. Recognize when that is wrong, and that should lead you to defend them. And in the same way, we confront evil. We confront wrongdoing. Where something has the potential to be harmful to others, like I said earlier, we don't tolerate it. People think love is not angry. Actually, that's wrong. Love protects. Love always protects. That's proclaimed very clearly in Scripture. Okay? And it's interesting, so when my dad preached on on being pastoral last year, he commented that it's not always about being accepting and nice, because some things aren't right. Shepherds aren't nice to wolves, this is what he said. Some things need to be fought. Some things are threats. Threats to this environment, threats to the goodness of those around us, and threats to God's kingdom expanding. We need to recognize those, and in actual fact, that should make us angry and we should confront that and we should protect those that are potentially victims of that. An example, so I've 
You know, I regard myself as having a, a pastoral, a shepherd role for, for, say, for the youth group. And if something threatens that, it is my job as shepherd to hit it with a stick. You know, <laughs> probably not the individual person. <laughs> Be tempting. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, but no, it's my job to go after wolves, wolves that would threaten that flock. Okay, that makes me angry because these are my friends. And so I will go after that. Okay? Let your anger lead you to oppose evil and injustice, just as God is against these things. And interestingly, this doesn't mean seek revenge. That's not your call. Okay? If someone sins against you, you can be angry and you can seek to, seek to right the wrong that was done. But then... After that, if someone has, so Donna, if so, if someone has sinned against you, what are you then called to do? Forgive them. There you go. Slap them. David West. Well, right. You two need to have a discussion after, or come and talk to me. Yeah, we're called to forgive, and that's important. Doesn't mean saying that it wasn't wrong. Doesn't mean saying no. That's fine. You didn't do anything wrong there. That's not what it's about. You can still confront them. But God calls upon you not to bear a grudge, not to seek to harm them. Mm-hmm. You're familiar with the phrase, some people often say, don't get mad, get even. Um, anger can often see this elite that, oh, I'm going to get them, I want to take revenge, to right that wrong, and think, actually, not on that personal level. You can correct an injustice, good. But seeking to take revenge on individuals is not something we're commanded to do. If you put up Romans 12 behind. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Actually, I think David Webster spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. What's the Christian way to seek revenge? Well, bless them. Ah, seek to bless your enemies. This is how you pour burning coals on their head, apparently, an idea that had appeared, appealed to David. Um, <laughs> when you love, but. I love this quote, when you love people, you are destroying evil. That is your revenge. <laughs> this is how you, as a Christian, take revenge. You love people and you seek to bless them. Which is somewhat different to the, probably the Hollywood version. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've ever seen Dirty Harry, the film there. The classic Clint Eastwood film with the line, Do you feel lucky, punk? I know I can't do accents. Uh, I really can't. If I go on longer doing that, every accent I ever do um, ultimately ends up a blend of Welsh and Indian. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I'll do my best, best Clint Eastwood. But can you write it? So we've got, a, I think, next slide. Um, so this is Clint Eastwood. It's Dirty Harry. Do you feel lucky? Can you imagine the... Uh, so I have a very different look to it in the Christian revenge version. I know what you are thinking. Did he forgive me six times or only five? <laughs> Watch the film. You'll get it. <laughs> Vengeance is mine, says the Lord's. It's not yours. It's God's. Okay? 
It's a bit like the Terry's Chocolate Orange adverts in the mid-90s. Bear with me here. With Dawn French, remember saying, it's not Terry's, it's mine. If you can picture in some way, if this helps you to remember it in any way, vengeance or, 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 you know, the revenge, a bit like a chocolate orange, it's not yours, it's God's. Don't extend the analogy too far, it ends up you being Terry and Dawn French being God. It doesn't work. (laughs) But anyway... Chocolate orange, it's not Terry's, it's mine. Revenge, it's not yours, it's God's. And this is where the concept of actually having a God who is wrathful and avenges evil really helps you in that. Okay? You don't have to seek revenge because there's no need for that. You can let things go if you've been wronged. You can forgive because you know actually at the end of history, there is justice. Okay? It will be dealt with. God does not forget these things and he does not, not notice. If you've been wronged, because that's sometimes part of the anger, is thinking, no one else saw that. No one else knows that I've been wronged. I need to go and punch them in the face. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> go and bless them instead. But anyway, so there's that sense. No one else knows. This is never going to be righted. There's no justice here. Yes, there is. Because God is a God of wrath, and God is a God of judgment. In actual fact, you can't believe in justice, truly, unless you believe that. God doesn't, I said, he doesn't forget it or not notice, and he will pass judgment. We don't need to. We don't need to harbor an ongoing sense of injustice or having been wronged, because we have an eternal just God, that when history is wrapped up, all of that is dealt with. In in life, in human terms, sometimes things go unpunished. In fact, in eternal terms and spiritual terms, no, they don't. Someone wrongs you, you forgive them. And then either their sin, their punishment is met in Jesus, or actual fact, at final judgment, they bear the responsibility for that themselves. Nothing is ever let slide. God deals with that. And this is why it's really important. Um, get Get your concept of God's anger right first, because everything else flows out of that. How we handle our own anger and how we forgive relies upon a correct understanding of the wrath of God and his justice. And then how we act when we are angry, that's how we can deal with that. So let's look at some guiding principles on how we should handle our anger. If we look at another passage, Ephesians 4. Cunning link to Ephesians there, doing this term. Ephesians 4, verse 26 to 27. Um, the, the version that we're most familiar with is probably from the NIV. It says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Uh, a more literal translation I've shown underneath, actually it says, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Be angry. It's expected that you will. That's almost a command, isn't it? Be angry, genuinely, because actual fact, sometimes that is the right thing for you to do. Be angry, that is okay. But in your anger, do not sin, because it's easy to sin when you're angry. Let's be honest. It doesn't say that being angry is wrong. And some people have claimed that, and some people have taught that over the years, and some people have taken isolated portions of scripture and tried to make a case. Christians should never be angry. 
Uh, if you take James, take James 1 verse 20 in isolation, you can probably teach that. But remember, like I said, it's important to put it in the broader sweep of Scripture and in, con- in context. And in fact, the preceding verse in James 1 verse 19 says, Be slow to become angry, because we have to be cautious in our anger. And Paul recognizes this very clearly. He says, be angry. And then the reason he follows up, yet do not sin, is because he knows it is very easy to sin when you are angry, like I said. Um, And that's why Paul puts in that warning. And it's good to take a step back when angry. You know, the the classic theory of count to ten, that works. You think, am I really being righteously angry? As I've got to be honest... There have been a lot of times in the past where at that point I went, oh, I'm righteously angry. And then looking back the next day, I went, no, no, I wasn't. <laughs> no, no, I was just being an idiot. <laughs> um, if we can bring up the next, next slide. Uh, this is my Venn diagram of this. Uh, so on the left, we have occasions when I thought I was righteously angry. And on the right, we have occasions when it was actually right for me to be angry. And you see there's only actually a very small overlap there in the middle. If you go to the next slide, it's what I call the zone of righteous indignation. <clears throat> this is, <laughs> Joe, my wife, will tell you that the left, le- the left circle should be significantly bigger. <laughs> um, the times when I thought I was righteously angry, in actual fact, I was just being a bit of a prat, about 90% of the time. Okay? This is why it says, be slow to become angry, because it gives you that bit more time to think. <laughs> so be always be careful, don't act rashly, think, be slow to become angry, be cautious in that. And also it says, coming back to the passage in Ephesians 4, it says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger is actually not intended to be an ongoing permanent state for us. It is to be brief. Because letting it go on, and letting it just roll on and on, actually, in fact, it's harmful. I'll tell you a bit more about that later, just from personal experience. Um, if you continually feed your anger, if you seek to maintain that state, it will harm you. And often people want to maintain their anger because it feels good. Because actual fact, thinking, I'm, I'm angry, they need to suffer, there needs to be justice. And, and most of the time, I think it's actually out of a desire to not forgive. If, if you don't forgive, you want to maintain your anger because actual fact, you don't want to let that go. Right. And so, important, do not let your anger roll on. So don't let the sun go down on your, on your anger have mechanisms in place as best as you can where you set things aside, where you make forgiveness an intentional part of your day. Um, especially if you work with a lot of people. The more people, <laughs> without being overly cynical, the more people you come across on a daily basis, the more you will need to forgive because we're like that. <laughs> I'm a GP. I interact with 40 people a day, roughly. I forgive people on the way home. <laughs> it's just to get it out of the way before I get back. I'm sure sometimes they need to forgive me. No one's perfect. Um, make that a, a, an ongoing and a, a very real part of your experience. Don't let anger roll on because that will be harmful in the end. And then in the last part of that in Ephesians 4, it says, Do not give the devil a foothold. 
Don't let him get an edge through your anger. And especially, do not let him drive a wedge between you and God. Be mindful of where your anger is directed. Think, who are you angry against? And broadly speaking, well, what can you be angry against? Uh, We don't tend to be angry against inanimate objects. uh, Because I know, yeah, sometimes you are, you stub your toe, and then you're like... (laughs) (laughs) looking for something to blame, (laughs) end up kicking the door, hurting your toe more. It doesn't work well. (laughs) But we don't tend to have an ongoing sense of anger against inanimate objects because, you know, we don't know they don't intend us any harm. That's why the classic scene in 40 Towers, put the next slide up. (laughs) Yeah. That's why it's fun, partly why it's funny, just because there is an absurdity in Basil 40 beating this car that is in no way sentient and doesn't make decisions. We don't. We tend to be angry at people, um, at those who are able to make decisions, because we hold people to account for those decisions that they've made. Okay. If we go to the next slide, who can we be angry against? Well, broadly, these are these are the categories that I thought of, roughly, fairly broad. You can be angry at yourself. That's often the case. You can be angry at other people, uh, both on a personal level, uh, friends, individuals, family. People that you've met that day, and I think also on a more of an institutional or a corporate level, you can be angry at governments or organizations. You can be angry at the devil, and you can be angry at God. And often the problem arises, I think, when we misdirect our anger, when we're angry at the wrong person or handle that badly. And I'll give you a personal example of when I got angry and it led to problems. And actually, fact, this is a good example of actually, fact, when I let anger go on too long. Um, I should have let the sun go down on it, and it became an ongoing experience for me. And actual fact, it, uh, I say, it was harmful to me. I'll give you an example. We moved back to, me and Joe, my wife, we moved to Kent in, in 2009. Um, I felt called to be here and part of that, this church. And then... Almost immediately after the move back, and for about two years, I had some quite significant health problems. I was working in Maidstone Hospital at the time, and ended up being admitted to my own uh, cardiac care ward with my pericarditis, uh, which, which did make some of the patients do a double take, because the night before, I'd been the guy coming in to cite their IV and adjust their medication, and then the next morning, no, next evening, I was being wheeled into one of the beds. <laughs> And a nice old chap opposite me, George, who's having a pacemaker done. You're a bit young to be in here. I was like, yes, I know. <laughs> I shouldn't be in here. Um, I had a variety of things. I had felt quite bad esophageal reflux. I had a series of joint problems. And I wasn't being healed of any of it. And it was a difficult time in our church to, being, to, to not being healed of things because we were really starting to move in some quite powerful times of healing. Uh, uh, I believe, I think it was, I think we had the Danny Silk and the Bill Johnson conferences. We were seeing a lot of people healed. And I wasn't. And, and I got angry. And, and looking back, actually, I'm sure there was an element of spiritual attack to that. I think my, mine and Joe's move back here was being opposed. I don't think the devil wanted this part of this church. I don't think I realized that at the time. So who do you think I, I wasn't being healed? Who do you think I got angry against? God, yeah, I got angry against God. 
um, I, wasn't, I was angry that I wasn't being healed, and I told myself that classic lie. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Uh, but I dwelt on that disappointment, and I got angry towards God, and because I let my anger go on, I then became bitter. And that sapped all of the joy out of my relationship with God, and it made me very cynical. And in fact, it really affected how I moved in faith. I couldn't bear to hear about other people being healed because I was jealous in the wrong way. And this is one of my other tips. When, when you have other negative emotions being mixed with anger, that's potentially quite a toxic cocktail. And so just watch out for that. When you're angry, are there other negative emotions starting to creep in alongside that? Because it definitely did with me. And it made me doubt that God wanted to heal me at all. And made me feel like I was singled out for this. I felt victimized. And when people proclaimed the goodness of God and his power to heal, I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to hit them. Um, I didn't, fortunately. Um, Because that would have been interesting. (laughs) Um, And it took me a couple of years to overcome that that cynicism that I'd developed. Uh, But one of the things that helped me was... um, well, probably by accident, I think, unless they're very good at reverse psychology. But it was a friend trying to sympathize, I think. Um, and they said, no, they said, and knew I was struggling, knew that this had been going on for a while and that things had been hard. And they said that they were still praying for me. And then they said that they were angry with God about me not being healed. And then I heard it because it's different coming from someone else, isn't it? Yeah, you can spot that in other people when you, you, and you don't spot that yourself. I was like, what? hang on, you're angry with God. All right, how's that working for you? <laughs> how, how do you see that working out going forward? Out of you and God, which one of you is likely to be in the right? <laughs> and I realized, and then I realized, oh, oh, I'm angry with God. Ah, That's that's probably where some of the problem is here. And I realized that in my anger, I'd given the devil that foothold. That's what I'm talking about from Ephesians 4. God didn't make me ill. Okay, It is his will that I'm healed. But in this world, so it is God's will that I'm healed. It's God's will that everyone is, is healed. But in this world, in a fallen world, his will is contested. And I got angry at the wrong side. I really blew that. I should have been angry with the devil the source of sickness and that and instead I blamed God and I allowed myself to become bitter <clears throat> and I lost all hope of ever being healed actually to the point where I wouldn't even let people pray for me and when I wouldn't when it was painful to go I couldn't pray for other people to be healed I couldn't go and move in faith in that because the bitterness had really just sucked that out of me Unfortunately. Because I think God helped, helped open my eyes a bit on that. And I can't say I'm perfect in this. And I can't say that when I'm angry now that I'm, I always get it right. But fortunately, I've started to take back some of the stuff that was taken from me. I'm not healed physically. I'll be open about that. That's still an ongoing struggle. But I'm no longer bitter about it. Okay? Because actual fact, I realize that God is not opposing me. I shouldn't be angry at him. God is for me. God is always for me. Okay, And I will keep pressing into the goodness of God 
and seeking that breakthrough. And I rejoice in every person that I see healed. And I started praying for the sick again, knowing that that that's God's will. And started praying for, and that's been fun being able to model that to my kids. It was great fun. I overheard Zoe praying for Sam, who bumped his toe this morning. I was like, oh, good, something started to go right there. (laughs) And uh, and if if I can make this key point on dealing with anger, don't let yourself get bitter. It's probably, I think, the most important point I want to make tonight. Later on in Ephesians 4, in verse 31, it comments on putting away bitterness and anger. That's a bad combination. Hebrews 12, verse 15, it says it warns against allowing a root of bitterness to grow because it really cracks through the rest of your foundations and it really starts to bring things down. Don't let it take root. Don't let your anger fester away. Keep your heart soft. Don't let it make you bitter. And don't let it make you start to blame God. It will take your joy, your hope, and your faith. Don't believe the devil's lies and don't give him a foothold. Avoid bitterness. If we skip on to the last, last slide, I think. So when angry, this is my, <laughs> my, my two very simple messages on how you should be angry or when you are angry. Be forgiving. First and foremost, unforgiveness is really dangerous. God commands you to forgive. Don't, don't go against him in that. That's it. I won't go well for you. And keep your heart soft. Avoid bitterness. Trust God wholeheartedly. Still exercise faith in your anger, especially when it's anger for yourself, for something that you feel that has gone against you. Examine your heart. If you can be angry, righteously, you can be angry at the devil's schemes and his lies whilst trusting God wholeheartedly and whilst being forgiving. That is amazingly powerful. God has called you to be that kind of powerful person. God has called you to recognize when there should be injustice, to be angry at the things that would make God angry and to stand up against those and to take ground for his kingdom on behalf of that, to recognize that and to go against the devil's schemes. Be angry and yet do not sin. Remember God's anger. Keep your heart soft. Exercise faith. Exercise compassion, especially when you recognize other people that have been wronged. I'm going to wrap that up in a minute, but I'm going to, uh, I'd like us to apply this I was really, it was interesting what Tim was bringing earlier as an atmosphere of authority and of breakthrough. I start to tap into that because I believe that is true. If anger has led to bitterness, if it's made you give up hope in some area of your life, God wants to restore that. And we're going to go after that this evening. Is that right? Okay. There's an area where you feel knocked back or restricted because of suffering in some area. Ask God just to break through. If something has happened to you where you got angry, it means like you feel there's an area that you can't trust God in anymore. God wants to restore your faith. Remember, it's faith in him. Faith finds its worth in what you put the faith in, and he is of infinite worth. People often say, you hear that, I don't have faith for that. I didn't ask you what you had faith for. I asked you who you have faith in. 
God's anger is against evil and in defense of what is good, he calls you good. He defends you. If you're angry with something that has happened to someone else, seek God again and just to bless and restore that person. If there's someone here that you need to, well, not here, or someone out there, if you feel, actually, anger has led to unforgiveness in your life, we're going to go after that. Would you stand with me? Is that all right? Start to reach out. Hey, this is a positive. It says, in your anger, do not sin. And we can view that as actual fact. There's a whole list of things that we must not do when we are angry. God calls you to be powerful. He says, be angry. And he calls you to use that to be a blessing. Remember, our example is always Jesus. He opposed evil, but he brought amazing blessing. He healed that man. He brought restoration and he brought justice. Let's pray. Let's reach out. Father God, we just ask you to make us more and more like your son, Jesus. Give us a clear sense of when we should be opposed to evil. Let us combine that with with faith, with compassion for the oppressed, with love for your children. Just reach out. Ask God to help you to exercise faith in areas where you do feel angry. Not seeking revenge, not harbor a grudge, but to bring a breakthrough. To bring his love, to bring his grace, and to bring his power. Because that's what he is wanting to do. If something has gone against you, know that if there's been injustice, God is angry at that. And his anger defends you. Jesus came to bring restoration. He's a God of justice. If anyone is feeling like you've been oppressed in some way, like you've been knocked back, either in human terms or in spiritual terms, God is wanting to bring release. These are the words of Jesus. Luke 4, quoting from Isaiah. says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. God is not angry with you. If you are here as a Christian tonight, God loves you. His wrath has been met in Jesus. Hallelujah.